the Bank of England, another central bank saying inflation is transitory and they're not going to change anything in a hurry. Joe Biden has supposedly got agreement on an infrastructure deal, but it's a shadow of its former self. But it has oddly buoyed equities today, or are they just on the way up because the Fed says it's not going to change anything too soon? And the speed of recovery in the US may be a bit slower than expected. Jobless claims haven't come down much, and durable goods orders were a little weaker than expected. That was back in May, though. It's now the 25th of June, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities racing ahead again, 1% up for the Dow, 0.6% for the S&P 500 after a record high there, and 0.6% up for the Nasdaq. The U.S. stocks 50 was up 1.1% at close, and the FTSE 100 up half a percent. Not much movement on the U.S. dollar or in any currencies, really. I mean, the U.S. dollar did fall, but then it came back again. The Aussie dollar has gained 0.1%. It's up beyond 75.8 U.S. cents now. The pound has lost a quarter percent. That's about the biggest move, actually, and the euro is pretty flat. Bonds also flat. Flat. Ten-year Treasury yields have hardly budged. The sharpest move out of all the bonds in the major economies is uh, in the UK, where ten-year gilts are down four basis points, almost all of that at the start of the day, and flat since. And commodities continue to rise. Well, oil does anyway, another 0.4% up on Brent. Not so with copper, though. That's down about 0.4%. So let's talk to Gavin Friend about all of this, a senior market strategist at NAB in London. So, yeah, this drive in equities and this calmness in bonds, so is th- is this still the acceptance that the Fed are, are not going to be buying less bonds? Uh, you know, we're not expecting much action from uh, from central banks and and equities. Is Biden's deal part of that as well? Do you think? Yeah, morning, Phil. I think so. I mean, it, it was a mixed day, really. You know, ahead of that news on the Biden deal. Mm. Um, in terms of the economic data, you know, more warnings of higher inflation for longer uh, and 2022 rate rises from uh, non-voters uh, on the Fed. So James Bullard and Robert Kaplan, I mean, their views now are well and truly known. John Williams of the uh, New York Fed took the other side of that and said that uh, inflation could be back down to 2% next year. On the data front, let's just dispense with that first. Weekly jobless claims um at 411,000 so that was a little above the 380,000 consensus if down 7,000 from the prior week i mean it that, is, it's that, a, that, it's a slow road back isn't it? It, it it is i mean that might suggest that um some firms perversely are are letting people go uh, more as the economy reopens Um, but continuing claims you know which measures you know ongoing rather than new claims fell what over a hundred thousand so that's you know that's in the right direction durable goods uh, for May uh, we had that out uh, Thursday that they rose 2.3% on the headline on the month again it was below the 2.8% consensus core capital goods orders within that actually fell a tenth versus a 0.8% monthly expected rise. But I would I would caution that both measures saw decent upside revisions uh, to last month's to last month's numbers. So you know the, the net net was was okay. Um, the GDP third reading was as expected at six point four percent for the US, so no no particular surprise there. But I think as you know, as you highlighted, the news that the White House and a small group of centrist, Democratic and uh, Republican senators have a you know a, 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 some a forged a tentative agreement on a bilateral five hundred and fifty nine billion infrastructure package. I mean that's given stocks and particularly those stocks that are seen benefiting from this. So construction stocks 
a further kick up that uh, leaves them um, hitting or close to new all-time highs. I would I would point out that the ink isn't yeah. dry on this deal. I feel, I feel uh, like yet. we've been here before. Um, it, it, it w- <laughs> and, but, and, it, and it is a small number, isn't it? Because when it started out, it was two point three trillion dollars, and uh, you know, and now, as you say, a little over of new money, a little over half a billion. And in fact, that new money is actually money that hadn't been spent uh, in in previous stimulus, isn't it? That, so it's sort of like a, almost like a net zero. That's why they managed to push it through. Yeah, that's right. I think um, Joe Biden, you know, uh, coming out. Uh, on the steps there at the White House claiming, you know, this was a sort of a victory um, important for them to get something done, I think. I mean, it requires, you know, 60 senators uh, to, to, to back it, um, you know, actual basis. And for the Democrats, you know, the other point is that Speaker Pelosi won't even consider this bill unless she can run a parallel bill that, you know, for, that, will, that, that, that itself will total hundreds of billions of dollars further on, you know, the so-called human the human infrastructure side. So this is the American Families Plan. Yeah, all the stuff that's been taken yeah, out. The child, the child tax yeah, credits, that's right, the, child uh, the, care, child, the health care, all those kinds of yeah. things. Because yeah. um, she knows that there's a whole bunch of Democrats that won't back this uh, unless they can do that as well. So measures to pay for this. But at $559 billion, it is well below the $2.3 trillion. It's not shovel already it'll take at least a year or so before any of this actually you know physically takes place and there's more debating to be done until until this is uh, and, until the ink is dry on this one so mm. it's good news but um we, we've got to watch it a bit further i think yeah absolutely and, and, but as you as you say the companies that could do well out of this are, are uh, definitely are doing well out of this in the in terms of the share price today so caterpillar for example today up 3.4 percent uh, but there again you know they've been doing well even before this they were up 20 yeah. percent year to date yeah. i think more broadly markets have um, to your question about the Fed, they, they've, they've calmed down a bit after the sort of painful um, Fed-led shakeout, you know, the unwinding of the cu- uh, curve steepness, the, the unwinding of the short dollar position, long commodities. But I, we're still left with, you know, equity market that has shifted, to your point, you know, to growth stocks versus value stocks. Quite a big shift there in the, the last few days. It's notable that, you know, the US two-year yield is up uh, at 0.26, 26 basis points. So it's up now 10 basis points uh, to those highs again that we saw post the Fed. Fives too as well. They're they're also at their post-Fed highs. So while markets are a bit calmer, um, these shifts suggest that the hawkish comments that we keep getting from this barrage of Fed speakers, you know, enough already, um, you know, is yeah. rubbing off. It's rubbing well, so off. so many of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, by I, I rubbing say, off, you mean people are starting to ignore them, you say, by rubbing off? Well, I not- think they're, they're, they're having less of an impact. Market yeah. is just tuning out a little bit to it. But it's left, the, the, the stamp that it's left is rate rises are coming. Now, you know, we have to be clear. If you look back at the transcript from Jay Powell, He's absolutely clear that they did not discuss, the Fed, the FMC did not discuss rate rises at the last meeting. But when you fire the starting gun, you know, on 
tapering from a period before prior to that where we weren't even talking about talking about now they're saying we've had that conversation the next few months is about a meeting by meeting process where we're going to be looking at that um, road towards substantial further progress towards our goals you fire the starting gun on that you set off a sequence don't you that tapering then becomes tightening we would caution hang on a minute you know there's a long way to go on this road you've got another six months of 120 billion of bond buying that's what 720 billion if you start tapering early next year it's probably going to take you eight months a year that's another half half a trillion to uh, 660 billions worth of buying if you run that down at a reasonable pace that's nearly 1.4 trillion of extra buying between now and the back end of 2022 and then the fed will likely have a period a gap before it does anything on rates um, despite markets thinking something might be coming in 2022. So, you know, and then what? Does it raise 50 basis points? You know, so so I think as, as, in, as inflation starts to roll back over later this year, markets will start to become a bit calmer about that period ahead, you know. But I understand at the moment, you know, you flip the switch on the sequencing and suddenly from, from not tapering to tapering, you're going to get that reaction. It was always going to happen at some point. Now, in the UK, the uh, the Bank of England, I mean, there was the question about whether they could be a, bit, a, a little bit more hawkish, given that in the UK now, six out of ten adults are now vaccinated. Uh, but actually, if anything, the, the Bank of England were more dovish, weren't they? I mean, they they warned of prematurely tightening monetary policy. So they're, they're basically saying, look, we're nothing to see here for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, I think the headlines from that showed that a bank, that here's a Bank of England that despite, you know, the comments that have kind of captured the airwaves from outgoing chief economist Andy Haldane, you know, the hawk, um, saying, you know, he's described the housing market as being on fire and he's the one that, again, uh, on Thursday wants to axe 50 billion off of the uh, off the QE buying yeah, but he's the only one there was some speculation ahead as you say that, that he might be he might be joined by two a couple of others he wasn't mm. he was the only one and t- to your point they said that it would be wrong to undermine the economic recovery with premature tightening they won't be tightening until they see firm evidence of progress towards the goal like the Fed really so you know this is just you know pushing that date out a little bit there's a lot to, you know there's a lot going for the UK economy, you know, if you look at the PMIs on services and manufacturing, they're above those levels in the US and the Eurozone. Um, The labour market's picking up quite well. The housing market is doing very well. But we have these uncertainties. We have the Delta uh, variant raging still, 16,000 cases uh, latest on the daily count. We've got uncertainties on the furlough program, the job furlough program, when that ends in September. We've got uh, some uh, temporary uh, help to the housing market from uh, from stamp duty. That's going to be starting to be phased out from the end of this month down through September. So, you know, there's a few things there that the, the Bank of England is basically saying it's too early for us to make any sort of drastic decisions. Let's just, um, you know, we've got time. So in uh, over the water, uh, over the English Channel, uh, Germany's IFO index, uh, the highest level since 2019. I know it's not just over the English Channel. It's over, uh, you've got to drive a bit as well. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, and the INSEE Business Confidence Index for France, that is just over the channel, uh, up to uh, 1,078. So both of those pretty strong results uh, from the continent. Yeah, they were. They're tying in nicely with the PMIs that we saw, flash PMIs for June that we saw earlier in the week. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and that's all suggesting that the recovery is is gaining pace here. And it's in line with, you know, Europe wants to get those economies opened up as, as, as soon as they can. You know, they're offering uh, holidaymakers mm. the chance to go there if they can, if they've got two vaccinations. So, you know, nothing here to deter us from the view that, um, you know, as that uh, recovery fund comes online as well, you know, here's the, here's the difference between the US and Europe. You know, US was front loaded. The stimulus was front loaded and it was a very much a sort of fire and rehire on the jobs situation. Europe, you know, has got the uh, the German model, the Karzai model, which basically keeps people in their jobs. And, and then we've got this late, you know, follow through on the fiscal side. So, you know, Europe should look pretty good over the next few months. Mm. All right. Now, today, New Zealand's trade balance is out around lunchtime today. Consumer confidence for the UK and for Germany, and in the US we get the uh, the PCE core deflator, which we, I mean, we know how inflation is going right now, so perhaps not too much interest in that, but also personal income and spending for May, maybe that's going to be a bit more interesting in the United States. Yeah, I mean, obviously um, spending and uh, an income w- w- will be a focus, but that is the report that comes with the Fed's favoured inflation forecast the uh, the core pc deflator mm. as you say but we know pretty much it's going to it's going to ramp up it was at 3.1% uh in uh, in in, yeah. in in april it's likely to be something like 3.4 3.5 when that number comes out later today um, I don't think it's going to shock the market, you know, because they know that that's the way it's going to go. It, the question is, when are things going to start coming back the other side again? If you listen to Powell, Jay Powell earlier this week, you know, addressing Congress, he seems to be, you know, he's talking about the temporary uh, effects here, you know, the things like the used car prices, all the things where there's pricing power starting to kind of roll over the last last month. It's going to take a while. But even things he thinks like, you know, the supply disruptions, again, um, um, he's saying shouldn't really last them longer than a year. And actually, there's some evidence if you look around the news wires of you know some of these suppliers, semi semiconductors, chip makers, those kinds of things, starting to suggest that the tensions are just easing a little bit. We saw that also in the German PMI. So I think that's a good a good news thing in terms of supply getting back up again. Got a way to go, but chinks in the uh, in the armour there that suggest things are getting you know back to you know where we want them to be well the more people go back to work the more people are vaccinated the more people go back to work the more those supply chains can work out hopefully and look today uh, Sydney so far managing to avoid a lockdown uh, you just can't go anywhere interstate I think or out of Sydney I think now either so which is bad timing with the school holidays just around the corner uh, but hopefully that cluster will be controlled and actually it might encourage more people to get vaccinated faster which obviously is going to be good for the Aussie economy we'll see but uh, look we'll leave it there for now Uh, Gavin we'll catch you again next week thanks for your time thanks Phil and that's this morning's morning call and that's it for the week I'm Phil Dobby for NAB Uh, I'll see you again on Monday morning have a great weekend